Welcome to Life Behind Bars, produced and created by 50mm Media. Welcome to Life Behind Bars. Today we're talking about prisons around the world and we're talking about criminal justice around the world. So picking up prisons in other countries, we obviously talk a lot about the UK, um, but we're going to try and stretch further afield. Now I've picked up um, a load of stats for today, so we can run through those. There's some chops and changes obviously post-COVID in terms of where those figures are. I've also, you'll like this, I've done some research by watching some different programs. Netflix has been, Netflix has been the king of my research this week. Um, so watching things like um, uh, the world's worst prisons and such like that. Yeah. And actually we, we watched that episode together and, and one of the things that we, we did pick up, and I thought this was really interesting because I think there's some great productions out there. Netflix have done a number of different um, prison, uh, inside prison shows. Ross Kemp is obviously the king of inside prisons. I know Danny Dyer did like the world's toughest prisons um, and stuff like that. But this one actually, it wasn't a bad show that's currently on Netflix that you can watch. The one thing we did notice, and we always say this about productions, is there are, they are productions. They're produced for you to watch and for your engagement and for your entertainment. And we watched one about a Filipino prison which is one of the most overcrowded prisons in the world. And they were talking to gang members, they were talking to different things. We saw a watch and this guy, oh, okay, that looks real, that looks real. But then they spoke to a guy, <laughs> and heaven knows what's going here. They spoke to a guy that was, there was a famous rapper and he was in prison and he was, he was saying he can earn more money in prison and outside of prison. So the presenter said to him, well, how do you do that? He said, well, I lend people money. They go, okay, what happens when they don't pay it? And he turns around and he goes, Oh, well, well, you know, we ask them to, to pay it back. Goes, and what if they don't? And he went, oh, well, there's not a lot we can do because the hierarchical system. And the other prisoner that was taking this presenter around was sat, he was, he was, he was stood there and he was like going like this. He was asking the question, he went, <laughs> and, and so I'm rolling my eyes and basically I'm just looking straight up if, you, if you're listening to this podcast and we both watched it we just both burst into strange like <laughs> it, the, the smirk on his face and the eye roll it was just very clear like oh what's he going to say here yeah. because we can't tell the truth yeah and he, <laughs> and he clearly went with oh well there's not a lot we can do because you know well, you know if we lend somebody money and they don't pay back well there's not really a lot we can do and we were sat again well, that doesn't bloody happen, <laughs> clearly. No, no, like, no. There's always a price to pay for death, so, well, either legally or not. Exactly. Was, so, and it was a very gang-run oh, Absolutely. And was, you could just no see on his face. And, and the presenter knew, because the presenter spent time in prison himself. Um, so, so it was just one of those things. And I think where I'm getting at is that the shows are great to watch, but there is a production piece yes. to it. Yeah, even in the American ones, they always show you the ones very often where prisoners are in the higher security level and they're in these pods yeah. with very yeah. little work to do. Yeah. And that's probably not true of the whole criminal justice system of the United States. They have open prisons in America, what they call afforestation camps. They have them in Australia as well. And basically they're like our open prisons. They also have minimum security prisons in, Aust uh, in America as well. But they don't show you those because they're functioning relatively well and doing what they probably should be doing. <laughs> so everything you see on TV, you have to take with a little bit of, you have to take quite a large lump of salt in there. Uh, showing uh, things that are going well isn't good watching, is no, it? No, it's, it's not, not going to get no, the big audiences. No, 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 no this is, yeah, yeah, that's exactly. Let's pick up on the United States because we're talking about prisons in different countries. United States of America is by far the head and shoulders above everybody else, the winner in terms of incarceration people. So um, I've got my stats here. I'm going to be stato for the day, like I say. So America, these, these stats are a couple of years old because obviously prisons do, do, do go over time, but they're, they're right to each other at the point they were done, if that makes sense. So they'll have adjusted slightly now in terms of numbers, but they are right to each other as when they were done. So the US incarcerating 2,094,000 people. Huge. And that will be affected, and there'll be a huge. huge variation amongst the states about the number of people they lock up. Remember, there are 50 yeah. states in America, so yeah. the reality is, if you broke it down, they might say somewhere up the north in, in, in New England, which is relatively a prosperous part, well, we don't lock anywhere near that many people up as, okay. as a percentage. But yeah. down in Texas and Alabama and all those places, we lock up a much higher percentage of people down there. But they were the first. They were the first two places that when you were going to obviously go there, they were the first two places that made me think high prison population. Yeah. Just so the reality is, is that even though the United States do lock up more than all the others, that will have to be defined down at their own level as well. Uh, because it's, you know, being a very large country. But yeah, they are quite horrific numbers. They are. I'd like to know what the breakdown is between state prisoners and federal prisoners. 
Uh, do you know what? I don't. I don't. It's I difficult don't, to find. I don't probably. actually have that figure. What, what I can tell you, I'm just. I was just flicking through the through the stats now as I was looking at it. Is when we talk about the, the, the there's two million prisoners effectively locked up in the UK, across the world, or across the two. Oh, sorry, <laughs> the UK. in the United States. Sorry, um, I'm looking at all the stats. Um, in the United States, there's two million. Let me put that into perspective very quickly. So when we take into consideration the 226 countries I've got listed in front of me, they total just under 11 million prisoners worldwide. Of the, and, the ones that we know of. Yeah, the ones we know of. And two million of those are in the US. Yes. That's so 20% are in one country. Because lots of people will go, too many people, but America's a much bigger country. Oh, yes, the United huge, States huge. is a much bigger yeah, country yeah. than here, but actually when it's done... 20% of the, the world's population of prisoners, 20% of the world's prison population yeah. is in it's one in, country. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, um, the fact that the rest of the with world... With a country less than 5% yeah. of a population. Yeah, although when we come in very close behind it, China's not far behind. They're, no. they're at 1.7 million. Yeah, but they've got a billion people in their country. Oh, well, that's okay. I've got 1.7. Well, yeah, that's in, fine. I've in got a percentage. But, but yeah. that's a percentage, right? Yeah. We only lock up 5% of our population, and you lock up 10, and there's only 330 million United States yeah. population. So, you, so you have to, we have to quote things as percentage of countries. Yeah. Hard cold yeah. figures don't really measure properly, no, do they? Because it's like comparing. UK to US, it's it, yeah. the population well, we'll, is so we'll, different. Let's compare off the totals because that, that's a nice way of doing it. So if we look at the um, per capita, so prisoners per 100,000, the average across the globe is 169 people per 100,000. America's running in at 639. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a, so yeah. five times the average, effectively. And they run two separate systems, don't they? They run the state system, yeah. where each state has its own relative laws to lock people up. They yeah. call, well, they call them jails. Yeah. And that's usually run and controlled by sheriffs. Yeah, I was going to say, the county. difference between jails and prisons. And then, then a prison in America basically is a federal. It's a federal prison and a state jail. So... What, what I did and all states will be locking people up at a different rate for different fences, of course. Yeah, and, and what I did find with, um, again, as you'd probably expect with a male-female split, 90% male, mm. 10% female in the US. Yeah. I think one of the things that really surprised me was the occupancy level. So the occupancy level in, the, the way they look at occupancy level is how close you are to full capacity of prison. So if you take 10,000 prisoners and you've got 11,000, you're obviously over, and if yes. you've got 9,000, you're over. America, 99.8% occupancy. And there's a reason for that. Wow. The research that I did, and it showed that many, many of these prisoners that are in jail are working for the benefit of companies outside. They're yeah. literally subcontracted out. Some are going out to work on the roads, they'll be the lower security prisoners, and or working on the farms, collecting the vegetables, picking the fruit, and others are working in the workshops, but there's a much bigger emphasis in America of using that prison labor for the benefit of private companies. Uh, this went back, this has gone back hugely historically with America, hasn't it? Because yeah, when they first yes. abolished Slavery. 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 They obviously could no longer have slaves, but what they did was incarcerated lots and lots of young black males, young black they males, and yeah. used prisoners to as labor. slave labour. Yeah. So they were still. Yeah. Well, we, we spoke about this. Absolutely, we spoke about this a little bit in episode three, I think it was, when we were talking about um, uh, prisoner roles and, and, and such like that. And I did say I made that statement a little while ago that you can run prisons in a different way to how we do now. Um, in terms of like the US and actually there's a reason why the UK is starting to move towards the model that they have um, and in America I would say prisons are there's 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 a deterrent piece absolutely there always will be there's a punishment piece which is probably quite is probably more prevalent in America than the rehabilitation piece I don't know I'm just I'm making a, a bit of a guesstimate here but prisons in America of businesses yes and they're one of the most well organized well structured and well run businesses yeah. you've got because when you're running at 99.8 percent of occupancy i.e capacity and building yeah you're running at 0.2 percent loss margin yeah that's 0.2 capitalism regime to be able to get if i could get my business to 0.2 percent We'd be doing the show from a boat. Yeah. It's, the, the, um, in the, the power base. <laughs> the power base in America is coming out of the multi the yeah. companies very often, whereas it's not coming out of the criminal justice system. 
you probably find that you've got the private companies there to a degree are controlling the policy of criminal justice and it's starting in this country to leak slowly yeah. the same way it's the, and that's a concern isn't it because when you look yeah. at things like america's statistics us's statistics um then <laughs> america's a continent <laughs> <laughs> when you look at the us's us statistics their their system doesn't work, their recidivism rates, so their, the re-offending rates are so much greater yeah, than countries that have more proactive kind of rehabilitation systems. Yeah. So therefore, by following down that rate, we're not going to improve our criminal justice yeah. system here by... Well, we made, this, we made the step way back in 1990 with the first private prison that was built in this country on the other side of the country in a prison called HMP The Walls. Yeah. Uh, and, and what happened was is um, a couple of MPs... Um, at the time would have been the Tory government in there, had gone across to America. And they were looking at American prison systems to see how to do things. I'm not quite sure why we need to go there to do that. Uh, and one of them happened to have shares in G4S yeah. at the time. I think it was G4, but it wasn't called G4S then. It was yeah. called Greek Force Security. Some of that. Yeah, it is, one of those G, G4S. So he came over and then suddenly, out of the middle of nowhere, we decided to build the first private prison. We're now up to 18 private prisons in the country. Admittedly, there are 120 prisons in the country, so it's still a relatively small um, number. But that doesn't mean to say that the government one day might find a tipping point in that and go, OK, once we get over 30, we'll just privatise everything else. It's, it's a small number. Well, it depends on how you look at it. I mean, stats can always be taken in different ways. I think it would be a small number if you had 18 prisons being run privately by four or five different prison operators. But it's being run by a single prison. No, no, there's it's about four companies running. Oh, is there four? Is yeah. it four? Oh, you've you've got different companies. You've got two, Circle run them, um, and then you've got G4S or whatever they call yeah. run them. They are come down from about four to about two or three now. Yeah, yeah. That's they what are I mean. slightly. It's, it's, so, so what they're doing is they're literally monopolising. And if they monopolise more and more and more, then they'll have bigger power base to start pushing for some more. Wellingborough, I believe, that's just been built now to hold 2,000 prisoners, I believe that's going to the private industry. And they're building one up in Leicester, a place called Glenparva, on top of an old borstal that used to be there. And I believe that's going out to the private ones already. You can see that almost that well, feeling, that I'm kind gonna, of I'm going to pull, 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 pull us back on And they're this. planning on I'm another gonna, four or five I'm big gonna, prisons I'm in the next five years. So good with it. <laughs> Um, occasionally I have to pull rank, do you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, because if you didn't shout, you'd never get in on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to pull back off this because I know that we, when we record episode 9, which we'll probably have recorded by the time this goes out anyway, but episode 9 specifically is going to be about prison labour and different ways of doing it. So we will pick up on the US system, we'll pick up on like the Norwegian system, we'll pick up on the UK system, but specifically I want to touch on that one. And certainly how I think that prisons are man moving and the government's manoeuvring us to, without people even realising it, this labour world, this, this prison labour world, not a labour world, that might be better than the Conservative world, but let's not start that, um, prison, prison to this um, uh, uh, prisoner labour world and what that looks like and the privatisation is, is the beginning part of that. So let's try and pick that up in episode nine, otherwise we'll get okay. bogged down to that. Uh, so China is running in at number two in terms of the most, the, the highest population of prisoners. But funny enough, they're only at 121 mm. per 100,000, which is well below the average of 169. So actually the average is lower. Got to take those figures with a bit of America a... a, a uh, America is 639. Yeah. So yeah, like, like five times higher than, than China. Most of those have been created in the last 20 years. In China? No, in, in America. In the United States. Yeah, yeah, well, most of them. Yeah, like I said, there's very reasons. China, China's prison, although it doesn't have a split between remand and no. um, uh, convicted in, in terms of China, um, what it does do is has very, very few foreign prisoners. 0.4% of foreign prisoners currently in prison in China. So it's a tiny percentage, whereas in America it's 5.2% of foreign prisoners. So there's quite a difference in terms of how many yeah, international... That, that, that leads to immigration, doesn't it, about how many people mm -hmm. would be looking to go and live in China as opposed to how many people want to go and live in America. Yeah. America's still seen as the, 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 the streets are paved with gold, the richest country in the world, the most, the most one with the most opportunities and freedoms, whereas people might go, well, I'm so keen to go to China. And also America aren't actually very um, welcoming. <laughs> 
We saw, we saw, we saw, we saw many people that go into Russia to live don't really come from the western side of the world. They come from most of the other Eastern European countries. Yeah, many of them. I was there were some really surprising stats when I went through. So I'm going to jump to the to the opposite end at the moment now to Monaco. Mm. So how many people do you think are currently in prison in Monaco? What's the population size? Do you know? I, I, do you know, it's the figure I didn't pull up. All the stats I've got, I didn't bring population size. I would have said that as a percentage, it's probably taking. It's hard to take per hundred thousand it is, people. It is, yeah, I yeah. reckon they must be down around probably twelve or thirteen per hundred thousand of their population. Oh, you are good at this game, aren't you? That's a guess. <laughs> that's, that's a guess, folks. Twenty-one. Oh dear. Twenty-one. There's currently eight people in prison. Right. And out of those eight people, eighty-five percent are male, mm. and. 4% or 5% are national, 95% are international, yeah. so foreign prisoners, of which 76% are on remand. So they've only got two prisoners in prison. Serving a conviction. Serving a conviction that are from the actual country yeah. that will be male. Yeah. And I said that to Emma, she went, drugs. No. For, for the international prisoners, for the other prisoners, you were trafficking. Oh, you didn't say trafficking. Well, I assume they're trafficking drugs. But oddly yeah. enough, yeah. oddly enough with those figures, if you think of Jersey in this country, or Guernsey, Guernsey send their prisoners, if they're serving a long sentence or a high security prisoner, they send them to serve their time here in the UK. Yeah. So if they're already going to be what they call category A status or long-term cat B, they go, we don't have the physical buildings to hold these prisoners. So there's a deal with Guernsey come to us. So it may look like they've got a very low number. 87. Right. But you don't know how many more there are that are already serving in the UK. But, but their capita is really high. It's 132 per 100,000. That's what I mean. So the cat, so well, you go for 87, oh, that's nothing. Yeah. But if you've got a population of 90, oh, yeah. then it's yeah. huge. Yeah, it's huge. Absolutely. Yeah. So you've got to take the per capita. And I yeah. thought that was, that was quite interesting. Yeah. So Monaco actually is the second lowest mm. in the world, mm. just beaten by San So why Marino. do you think that is, though? Is that because they well, it's a tiny, tiny country and they're vastly more wealthy? Huge wealth, that, huge wealth. So we, we, we won't talk about this now, but the social economics uh, of different areas. No, I think that's a perfect time. Well, to I talk thought we'd do it next week with the. Oh no, we can do it with work. Yeah. Well, next, if you look the, at the next episode is riots, and then next week yeah. we're next next week. I don't know if you remember, but next week we're on to manslaughter and talking oh, about Ruth Ellis, right. or, or episode seven, I should say. We're talking about manslaughter, Ruth Ellis. Episode eight yeah. is death penalty. Yeah. So actually, I think out of all the episodes, because episode nine we're doing um, uh, labour, and then episode ten is about Christmases and holidays and stuff like that. So, so I imagine in Monaco, time. where people are relatively much wealthier, as a big percentage of that population, or don't suffer the same kind of huge sort of poverty levels that we might, they're not going to be burglars and car thieves. They're not going to be muggers. No, it's multi-million pound F1 drivers. Yes. So Lewis Hamilton lives in Monaco. So the numbers should be low if you agree yeah. that lower socioeconomic groups usually caught up in the crime far more than the higher level. It's where Alan Sugar keeps his boat and they yes, have an annual so. boat for that. I mean, I mean, and why do you think boats. they keep their boats there? Yeah, well, it's safe, yeah. yeah. But it's, but it's, it's a, the, I think it's the world, one of the world's largest or most expensive mm. marinas yeah, I'd say large, yeah. but most expensive. Yeah, so it's completely, completely it's different. It's their way of living in a gated community. But let's let's take let's take them a, 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 let, let's kind of compare that slightly. So so then if we take Andorra, so Andorra is an interesting one because Andorra again is is very rich. It's the uh, home of where the um, World Economic Forum yeah. summit. Uh, no, sorry, that is not. Uh, sorry, sorry, that's um, uh, Davos. So um, sorry, Andorra is a. Oh, I've been there skiing. We've been there skiing. So it's a um, again a small. Small country. Small, yeah, small country. Um, what about Switzerland? I'm interested to know what the what the rate would be in Switzerland, where oh it's crime level. Let me just. Do you know Let's take a very quick break now. Whilst I find Switzerland, that's a great time to take a break. Well, well, wait till now. So good. Um, so we'll, we'll take a couple of minutes. You are. I'm just trying to find my break out. I'm trying to figure it out. Um, I'm completely lost. You've, you've thrown me off. Hold on. Wait, let me find it. There it is. We're going to take a quick break now, and we'll be right back after this. You are listening to Life Behind Bars, produced and created by 50ml Media. Unlock the past and discover what life was like at Shepton Mallet Prison. Relive the history of past prisoners over the last 400 years. Experience what a Victorian prison cell was like for those incarcerated. 
see where executions were carried out. Walk the landings and prison wings. You'll hear stories of those who worked and lived behind its high walls. See it, touch it, feel it on a journey of discovery at the nation's oldest prison. Visit ShiptonMalletPrison.com today to find out more. You're listening to Life Behind Bars, produced and created by 50 Mill Media. Welcome back. You're listening to Life Behind Bars. We're talking all about um, uh, prisons around the world, so criminal justice around the world. Although I don't know how much talk we're talking about criminal justice. We're just talking about just general numbers and, and the reasoning behind it and prisons. Graham asked, um, Officer G asked before the break about Switzerland's figures. I've dug them out. They are, I mean, you know, we're saying the count is kind of a something and nothing. 6,906 prisoners, um, but they are, they are 80 per 100,000. More than I thought. Well, it, it's uh, remembering that total is 169, so they are about half underneath the average. So half of the average, 80, 80 prisoners per 100,000. I wonder if many of those people are the ones that actually come into that country to work. Well, I can tell you, 69% are foreign. There you go. Of which 42% are currently on remand. There you go. So nearly half their prisoners are actually not convicted. So the nationals are 70%, only make up quite a small percentage yeah, by 30%. international standards. So that may be about wealth again. Uh, yeah. So, what was it? I mean, what you were yeah. saying about Switzerland in the break, weren't you? In make everybody wealthy, cut most of your crime. Yeah, well, <laughs> not all of it, but most of it. Yeah, I mean, oh, it'd be interesting well. to know in that sense the the um, difference in statistics between the types of crimes, the lower end, the robberies and the thefts yes. and things like that, opposed to the emotive kind of emotional yes. violent crimes. Yeah. Well, I think with emotive crime, they're always going to exist in every society. Yeah, because the only difference is in society, there's probably a bit more of a break on it. Depends on the culture of the country. If you go to some of your South American countries, not all of them, of course, and some of your other what they tend to call third world countries, you may find yeah. their own version of how the law runs anyway is not the same as perhaps ours would be. So there's not so much, I don't know, um, going along with it, which is why their prison populations may be much, much higher and much more dangerous places to be in. When you mentioned at the very beginning of the show about wherever it was, the Philippines? Philippines, yeah. Yeah, but that may be a reflection of society. What you're looking at may not always be, well, they are like that in prison. They just might be their whole society probably tolerates it a little bit more. I'm not sure that's a good word, but they might tolerate that level of sort of well, it does come this, back to that culture, doesn't it? It comes it, back to, it, the, less what's going to the law in society yeah, yeah. and how life is in general yeah. in in that area, and what people are willing to accept in yeah. terms of um, the sentencing as well, and and what people feel they've got control of within the system of government that they live with. Yeah. That's you know, well, less people have got. Let's pick up. Let's pick up the Philippines for a second because. Um, it, it's not an overly rich country, the Philippines, obviously. I mean, no, it's not. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's the third world at all. But no, it's, I don't think it's, it's, no, but it's, it, they produce it's most, They produced a huge amount of nurses that we take into this country, yeah. which many people didn't realise. I know this is an aside, folks. The government actually subsidises the Philippine government to train those nurses for us to receive them. I didn't know that I until know, quite recently. Yeah, I was reading it up because they said, oh, we're that short of nurses. Uh, I found out that the Philippine nurses that come here, that they train them and they're going to say, well, we train these people. Where's our, where's our payback? Yeah. So, they, so they, our government actually subsidized, probably give them a wedge of money to cover the cost of training. That's the reality. Well, let, um, let's pick up, because I think one of the interesting figures that I found, and actually one of the things we watched when we were watching the programs was about how the, the Filipino government are um, managing things like the war on drugs, because they've got a lot of drug crime over there, and, and, and we, we watched it, and we were watching a program on it, and we were watching the uh, Filipino um, Prime Minister, I think it's Prime Minister, not President, um, but he was basically talking about the war on drugs, and they were saying that producers, yeah. dealers, users, yes. and he said, shoot them, shoot them dead. Yes. Yeah, that was it, shoot them, and shoot the them dead. The only problem is, you can't you can't kill an addiction. Well, you can if you kill the person that's got the addiction. You'll be shooting them forever. 
Well, then yeah. that may well you be. You will never it's, kill the addiction. Uh, you yeah. can only manage well, the producers who can kill yeah. it. But, yeah. You yeah. might be able to kill the producers, but guarantee as long as you've got the addicts underneath it's, the tip, a new producer will take over. Of economics. Yeah. If there's a demand, someone will create a supply. Proved that in Colombo when they, yeah. when they arrested, I forgot his name now, the big honcho over there. Many years ago, they arrested him, chucked him in jail, and somebody stepped straight into his shoes and carried on because it's a multi-billion pound business. They'll take their risks. They'll have their little armies. They'll have their fortresses to live in. They'll take their chances. I'm not sure they have little armies. Some of, some of the drug well, producers are pretty, pretty big armies. Some, some, some have, have a police base. force, yeah. yeah. Well, let, let, sorry, did you want to jump in? Um, let's pick up the Philippines quickly, because uh, when we talk about remand prisoners, the average worldwide is to have about 33% of your prison population on remand. That's just the average. Um, if we take somewhere like America, they have 23% on remand. So it's, a, it's you know, just under a quarter, effectively, of their prison population awaiting trial. I would imagine these figures are probably slightly higher post-COVID because obviously courts haven't been running and such like that. Um, in the Philippines, however, 75% of the prison population are on remand. 75% of people in prison in the Philippines awaiting trial. And some of those are in there for years it before they get comes that looks then much greater, the kind of criminal justice system in the country, doesn't it, rather than just the prison yeah. When you compare the Philippines with such a high level, a non-remand, and may never ever see a court of justice for many years and serve longer than they would have got originally, in America they go, they get, they're, they're into convictions much quicker. Yeah. But that may be something to do with the plea bargaining state that goes on in America, or United States, sorry. Uh, what they do is they'll go to court and there's a whole process, like some kind of business deal going on, and what they'll do is they'll start to look at plea bargaining, and that means the defence and the prosecution get involved in the plea bargaining. Yeah. So you may find somebody goes, uh -uh, okay, I'll give you that if you plead to this, or I'll plead to that if you give me this and we'll do a deal. So you may find the conviction rate is higher, not because of convictions by juries, but by convictions of people taking the plea bargain to squeeze down the amount of time they spend in jail. It, it will be. Yeah. And, and No, you're right. I think, I think you're right. There's One of the reasons why they have so. that is it's about efficiency, because if you look at the split in America between jails and prisons, a jail is where remand prisoners yet to be convicted go, and they're normally localised in terms of in their states, yes, and then you, have, then you have your prisons, and your prisons are traditionally your federal prisons, although you can have state-run prisons, but that is where people go once they've been convicted. In a jail, all they do all day generally is they sit around mm. waiting, mm. whereas in prison, they actually are then producing. Exactly. You can't produce in a jail, so therefore getting you out of the jail into production, yeah. it's almost like you could argue it's your induction or training into producing yeah. something. Because the more you convict, it's, it's, it's something like 96% of the Army's American military equipment, not guns, but equipment, is made in US prisons. Mm.
the more dangerous it is for them, the less likely they are to come back. Like, oh, well, that's obviously do you not, not true. Do you not just think it's just the fact of that they don't have necessarily the money to build more prisons and to staff the prisons? Because it seems very much the Filipino way model, and, and there's plenty of other countries that have this exact same system, mm. so it's not, not by any means just the Philippines, is the prison officers run the perimeter. Yes. Or the guards in those countries, and the prisoners run the prison. Yeah. There, there was something like one... One, 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 one to four hundred prisoners. Yes. prisoners. So when you worked in prison, it was what, one to thirty, one to forty. Well, it depends actually. on your security, but yeah. it would have been. I, think it, I, I wonder what their system is like for there to be such a huge remand population and such over overpopulated prisons. I wonder what the system is like in terms of actually processing and whether or not they yeah. care. I don't know if that's no. the right thing I can't to remember. say. I, I, I watched like, a documentary on one prison. I think it was in. Sorry. The fact that um, the, the, people, the interview part that we saw with the um, rapper that was in prison and he was like, well, I have yeah. more money in prison, yeah. so therefore there's also yeah. that... So it's there's that, it? Exactly, there's, right. there's a percentage of population who then, it's easier for them to be in prison. But there is, well, I can't remember, it was a documentary I saw probably a few years ago now, somewhere, it may have been the South American country, where they run them exactly as you say, with very few guards, they don't really walk and patrol in it, there's yeah. no work going on in there, and, and, and wives and children and partners can wander in and Oh, that's exactly, exactly what that's exactly what yeah, yeah, yeah. They can yeah, bring yeah. in there food, was, yeah. I don't, they're probably not really getting searched in a way that yeah. we would expect no, in this country. There was whole families sat around with prisoners yeah, yeah. having like a picnic on yeah, so it's just they bring, in, they bring in food and money and stuff like that, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, and obviously big, big gang, gang culture. The trouble is, where, where we we're watching it. We are looking at different programs and stuff. We're seeing it. We're seeing the production piece. Yeah. Yes, we're not seeing the reality. No. And they are very different. Actually, we've got a friend who spent time in a jail in Thailand, mm -hmm. um, and she actually she wrote a blog and everything. And she was um, accused of smuggling drugs, wasn't she? And she spent was it three months, was it six months. Yeah, she spent a while. It was it was it was long enough. And she said it was horrific. And like that, the whole journey of that process. It was so hard. Um, so but the, so but the question with that, that then is, is it harsher for a Western European person to be in those prison conditions, bearing in mind the culture that we live with, as for a person that's of a, a, a lower type? I mean, they see it differently and go, well, it is what it is. That depends, yeah. on, yeah. do that that depends on the individual. The, the yes. person that we know is very well-traveled, very well-versed, very very intelligent, worldly, you know, really yeah. understood things. I think probably spoke parts of the language, really, you know, was, yeah. was, was quite intelligent in that sense. So therefore, I think she probably will have found it slightly easier than somebody who maybe has gone on holiday, who's very naive to the world, and actually has then been yeah. incarcerated. And that does happen, not as often, but, you know, no. I, I do think they were there in that sense of someone that's from the society, because prison is that kind of reflection of the society you're in anyway, it, there's, a, there's a marked difference yes. in terms of experience. There were two girls that got caught doing something similar some years ago. One of them was not been released since, but one of them was doing some, um, just a bit of a talk back on a, on a documentary show and said it was the most horrific thing she'd been through. Oh, and I go, yeah, yeah, but that's by, that's by your standards. By yeah. their standards, they might consider that to be relatively a prison sentence. Yes, right? yeah. And we do the same here. People will talk about prisons here in a different way than we talk about prisons in Europe. Yeah. Because if you go to, we mentioned this before, if you go to places like Norway and you go to prison there, when you walk into your room, you're going to look at it and go, wow. Let's or vice versa, if a Norway person comes here and we chuck him in a cell, they might go, ooh, this is a bit hard, I can't be doing this. I didn't do this when I was in Norway. Let's pick up on Norway very quickly, seeing as you mentioned it. So Norway are 140, 140th kind of in their ranking. So they lock up 49 per 100,000, 49 people per 100,000. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely a, lower end. a right yeah. up to date modern economy. Really one of the lowest. Yeah, people. I mean, they have a 94% male population, which I don't think is far off the average. 95 is the, uh, 95 is the average, 95 is the average. Yeah. Uh, so it's not, it's not a million miles It'll be similar to ours. Um, yeah, they have 25% remand, so they have a quarter. So, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not that different. 73% occupancy. Mm. That's, that's one of the lower ends. Having a 73% occupancy yeah. is pretty impressive because obviously you've then got 27% of beds, speds, 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 speds. Um, you've got 27% of So space. they're never under pressure. Because believe me, I've worked in the service when we were locking three prisoners up in one small cell. 
uh, and that applies pressure. Yeah, it applies pressure on the prisoner, and it applies pre three prisoners in one place. It applies pressure on the staff, incidentally, because you have to manage all that in extremely confined conditions, and very often you're struggling for the resource. Sometimes, right down to sheets and blankets. Right down to sheets and blankets here. I've gone down to the stores, they go, we ain't got any. Sorry? Well, I got a prisoner just come to the door and we got no sheets and blankets. Well, Can't you, help you, mate. You, you we got, got them. You've got a better story than that, I'm going to ask you to sound a sec. But Shrewsbury Prison was, for a period of time, one of the most overpopulated prisons in the country. Uh, yes. At least when yeah, you but were, it wasn't when you common were, for when all three prisons, you say. So yeah. built, built for one person per cell, yeah. went into two person per cell, which is, it, it, you can have two people in a cell, let's be honest. It's, it's cramped, it's not comfortable, but it's doable. Yeah, it's still comfortable. Three today. per cell. I know when you wander around Shrewsbury now and you look at the interpretation spaces and you can see the bunk beds, you go, oh, okay, well, I get that. And, and there's, there's interpretation space where you can see what a prison cell looks like now, kind of more of the Norwegian system with one bed, with showers, with everything yeah. inside there, more like a small hotel room. Then you've got your, your two up cells, which is bunk beds. And then when you've got your three up cells, where you've got the third bed, and suddenly it looks very, very different. There's yeah. not a lot of space. I remember then but, when we put in three in a cell, there were no toilets in the cell. There was nowhere to wash your hands. Yeah. So by any human basic standards, it's, it's what it is. But, but compared to some of the uh, other countries we've been talking about, that would have been a, a VIP class of prison. The fact mm -hmm. you've only got three in the cell yeah. and you've got a bucket, this is brilliant. This yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Look at this yeah. condition. And what's that? What's toilet, toilet paper. But you, you, you had a story, though, I, I recall. You, you, hopefully you'll remember it. Um, I know you, I know you never know what my age is. I was going to say. I'm telling uh, you, John, it's not that easy to remember. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, George. <laughs> um, because you had a, a story about prisoners with their pants, because you used to have prisoners who used to, um, their underwear oh, yeah. used to go to the stores and be rewashed and just go back out to I, I remember when prisoners, um, or I remember when they introduced that prisoners could keep their own underwear, socks and shoes. And it was all down to health and safety. Uh, because we used to issue out shoes to prisoner and reissue and reissue and reissue, of course. Like a body uh, and they did the same with, with, with underpants and socks. But not like pants in particular. You can imagine now some laundries that operate these things may be better than others. But there comes a limit of life for anybody's pair of underpants. Trust me, folks, when underpants need to go past the washing machine into the bin. But remember, we were recycling these underpants. Even though prisoners' numbers were stamped on their underpants, it didn't take long for that to get lost and or washed off or they'd just get chucked into the wrong bag. Prisoners working their own, he wouldn't be that, they go, that's close enough, can't read that, that's close enough. So there were prisoners receiving other prisoners' underpants, but they'd been washed probably hundreds of times and worn by probably 30 or 40 different prisoners. Yeah. There comes a time Because it's not like you get released and they go, well, yeah. those ones got to go to the bin, because yeah. Yeah, John's been using those, so those go to the bin. And the next guy comes in, yeah. oh, we'll get a fresh set. They just recharge. No, no, I mean, they're, they're, they're supposed to get three sets, normally one in stores, one on their back, uh, and one in the laundry. And that really wasn't overly effective either. It wasn't worth but, but And quite rightly, they decided, well, let's prisoners look after their own underwear, socks, and shoes. I'm all for hygiene in a prison. Yeah. So it was better. Some of them washed their own things in the sink, to be honest with there, you. There are, people you could, there are people listening to this now going, all the things you've spoken about over the last five episodes, the last four episodes, this is the one of the worst in yeah. terms of like having to share your underwear with other prisoners. But I remember that random fact that sticks yeah. in people's yeah. minds. Yeah. But even today, some prisoners wash their own underwear rather than putting it to the laundry system having to wait to get them out. They'll just wash them out themselves and you can see them hanging up in the cells. Yeah. That probably is happening today. Not every prison, but I can imagine it is happening in prisons today. Well, they certainly have here. And, and it's one of the reasons there's so many, again, if I take Shrewsbury and Shepton, but when the two prisons that you can go and visit, they've got, um, uh, you can still see the lines that regularly regularly speak to people they're going oh look somebody must have tried to hang themselves in that cell because they've got a line hanging down it's like no no, no that was a washing line they used to put it up to hang, yes. their, their, to hang their clothes yeah. up and they went, yeah. oh it's yeah. like, we wouldn't leave up a ligature just just to be very clear that's not something that gets left up. just in case yeah, yeah, yeah. So no. it's, 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 it's lines washing you can see them so. it's interesting because we were talking about norway when this came up because obviously you talk about the showers and stuff obviously things yeah. that will help them with elements of that hygiene yes, now yeah. as well see that's a marked improvement from pre-toilets but we've moved um, toward it haven't we we have Modern it's interesting that new prisons are being built with those kind of hygiene and basic yeah. human rights kind of elements yeah. Yet the criminal justice system across the country looks like it's edging towards the privatisation and the American side Sorry. of kind of rat and pack. Whereas yeah. in Norway, where they've got those level of comforts, their system is very different and very much about 
rehabilitation and reintroducing people to society. Yeah. So it's we've got elements in terms of their cells and their conditions which are leaning towards that, but the overarching kind of system seems to be a little bit more kind of leaning towards America. Well, we, we do have more focus on rehabilitation. You two really pressed on that quite heavily yeah. when we talk about why we have prisons, what are they for? Rehabilitation is, and that's going to continue to be a massive thing because the way I think our, our governments are structured and because UK is a one, is UK, we spoke about this before the show, but you know, the, the way we're governed effectively is we have a party that governs the country, whereas in America, yes, there's a president, but actually the president doesn't have a huge amount of say or any say not, not across individual states. Individual states, you've got 50-odd states. The Senate would But you've, you've got each individual state will do things in a slightly different mm -hmm. way. And therefore, one state might lean far more towards rehabilitation and another state leans far more to execution. Yeah. So then you get that disparity and therefore it's kind of always luck of the draw of which prison you can end up in. Whereas I think in the UK, we, we have, thankfully, got a, a good handle on rehabilitation and we're slowly going that way. And I think what will probably happen in the UK system, I'm going too much into this now, is we're gonna go down this really weird track of going more like an American system and bigger prisons, racking, packing, stacking, you're a number, you're not a name. Mm -hmm. I also think what will happen at the same time is we'll go down this, this, this road of rehabilitation. So we'll be trying to do the American system and the Norwegian system, and it's one foot in both camps. And I think but ultimately that, what will happen is neither or one. Well, you only need to get one. The problem with the American system is if, you, if we use that style of locking up more and more people and giving them longer sentences, that's going to put your need for much, much bigger resources to introduce the rehabilitation. And governments, will there will be a limit to that. There'll be a limit. If you want good rehabilitation, you really need to lock up less people, not more, yeah. if you think about it. And, and, and that well, shows the statistics, doesn't it? And Norway's yes. recidivism yeah. rates, their reoffending rates, are so much yeah. lower yeah. than yeah. other countries. But it's more than that, because if you look at Norway's figures, you have to take that figure as you see it. And if it's such a low incarceration rate, then you have to accept it's probably a lower crime rate. Yeah. I don't believe they're letting everybody run around the streets for committing crime. They might deal with it. So if that's true, then there's a question asked, why is that then? Why is it that Norway, which are very like us in their lifestyles, they have families, they're independent families, they go to you know, similar kind of lives really, but they're answering, well, why is that? Why is it that they have less people being locked up or even committing crime? Well, they don't send their kids to school until a little bit older. Their, their, their education system's different. Well, their childcare system's different. Their childcare system's different and their, and their social maternity leads are different. And is it Norway that has the... The starter pack for babies. I don't know what it's called. The social support system, system is stronger, even when it's you're in work and you've got kids this big. Yeah. If you've got a problem with losing your job and all that, you'll probably find the support network is stronger there than it is perhaps in the UK. Um, you know, people still get confused about yeah. the UK. They talk about people getting unlimited benefits. Benefits were limited in 2015 by David Cameron to £13,400 for a single person outside London. And that includes rent, everything. You cannot claim more than that limit. If you earn less than that £13,400 in a job, you can claim working tax credits. But you can only go up to that limit. See what I mean? So even people say, oh, they get everything. I go, no, I mean, we know that minimum wage works out about £19,500 a year. Yeah. And if they say that's the minimum wage for a single person, member, a minimum wage for one person is £19,500. If they say that's the minimum, then you have to ask the question, but, well, what value is £13,400? Because you're already £4,000, £5,000 worse off than the person that's living yeah, on the breadline. That's, that's a minimum wage, not a living wage. There's a difference once again. Oh, well, there are many people that are paying out living and wages. That's also, I'm getting slightly off the point. But let's also remember, just, just for a second, I'm going to throw this in, that if somebody earns 19,500, I think it's 19,600 actually on minimum wage of 37,500. Yes. Um, that's not what the company pays. That's no, 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 the company pays more than that, of course. About 25%. National insurance and um, taxes. And yeah, and then sickness, whole thing. Yes, absolutely. We're off yeah. um, We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to jump to Australia, I think. We'll have a quick conversation about Australia. Australia. Yeah. Australia. Australia. Uh, okay, and now we're getting complaints from all the Australians about our bad access. Um, uh, so we're going to take a quick break. Join that break. I think the, three, the, 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 three, the three of us are going to have a look at moving to Norway by the sounds of things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so we'll be right back after this. Yeah. You are listening to Life Behind Bars, produced and created by 50mm Media.
Welcome to Shrewsbury Prison, Shropshire's number one tourist destination. Step behind the gates of this 200-year-old prison and discover an unknown world. Heritage tours run by ex-officers, where you can see the cells, walk the landings, see and touch the history. But there's so much more going on. Experience one of our brilliant activities or take part in our world-renowned events. From escape rooms to axe throwing, overnight sleepovers to prison break, we do it all. And there's something for all the family, with activities starting from eight years, events from 12 years, and heritage tours for all ages. Visit our restaurant and experience food behind bars. There really is so much to see, do and discover on a day out at Shrewsbury Prison. Visit us at www.shrewsburyprison.com You're listening to Life Behind Bars, produced and created by 50 Mill Media. Welcome back to Life Behind Bars. Today we're talking about prisons around the world um, and criminal justice around the world. Apologies for me smirking and laughing on the way back in. Graham's just been cracking a joke, literally, as I come back in with our intro. Pick it up on the outtakes. Yeah, yeah. Um, just before we jump to Australia, we're going to go to Australia. It's, it's interesting because there are no figures for North Korea or Somalia. None at all. No, no figures okay. in terms of the counts. Of, there of, certainly of, wouldn't be in North Korea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we don't so, even know how many people live there, let alone that. It's, it's, so there's just nothing. So, I mean, who knows? It could be one. They might not even have prisons in North Korea. Well, the whole country is really good. It might be summarily shot in North Korea. That's why they have no prisoners. Yeah, it, it, I mean, the whole, the whole country is, is I guess, I'm, again, I'm sort of paraphrasing it. But um, Australia. Okay, Australia, 41,000 prisoners. Population of about 25 million now. Oh, I don't know. I, don't know. Well, I think I should really have that. It's about 25 million now. What do, you think the cap, what do you think the rate, the capita is at? Rate per 100,000? In Australia, I don't know. that they very much, they very much operate a system very similar to us and living and work there, particularly in the city as well. Crime rates would have been roughly the same as they are here, I would have thought. So I'm going to put them up at about 100 and 120 to 130 per 100,000. A little, little bit low. Australia at 160. 160 per 100,000. So they lock up more than we do. They do. And I'm going I'm to be really rude out to Australians. So if you are Australian and you take offence to this, please do feel free to ping me a message. Australia are pretty much bang on the average. Yes. Across the board. Yeah. The average for male prisoners across the globe is 95%. Australia, 93 yeah. Um, they're talking about the, the, the national, uh, so what the national is. Actually, they're slightly higher. National is 74, whereas Australia at 83. But in terms of the occupancy, as we spoke about the occupancy earlier, 118% yes. is the average, yes. with 33% on remand. And Australia is 112, with 32% on remand. So pretty much literally across yes. the But what's it like to work in a prison in Australia? Well, it was different in as much that, first of all, they carry firearms there, or they don't carry them around. Just like America, you've got your armed towers. Yeah. Uh, what I, I mean, remember, I came out of the system because I was in the prison service here first before I went there. So there was a bit of a culture shock to me when they said, OK, we're all off down the firing range now. We're on the training school. We're doing what? Going down the firing range. And that's where you get all the Remington pump-action shotgun. You've got a... Then they you, don't, you don't need to aim with a pump-action no. shotgun. No. And, and they also used a weapon then, a rifle. I don't know whether they do today. It was called the Ruger 223. Yeah. Uh, and then they also had the Smith & Wesson, what they called the police special pistols yeah. and all stuff like that. But you never carried them in the daytime within the prison confines. They were only designed to be up the towers. And you wore them if you went on escort. So if you took a prisoner out on escort to a hospital, one officer, the one that's not attached to the cuffs, of course, that's carrying keys, will also carry a Smith & Wesson, a pistol, basically carry a pistol. Um, so that was different there. They also dealt with, when I was there, riots or, or in, inconcerted indisciplines and sit-ins in yards much differently well, than we do today. Let's on the next episode, because episode six is... All about that. Yes, it's completely like different. Bit, there's a whole different. Now, I, I've got to be honest, it's been a long, long time since I've been there. I can't imagine they would have probably changed that system a great deal when you're talking about your basic security stuff and managing uh, indiscipline. What uh, was the culture like inside the. Uh, it, well, it, I worked in a remand centre, and in actual fact, there was no available work for prisoners at all, except the ones that were working in the kitchen and the ones that were cleaners. 
There was no work for prisoners, so we had hundreds of prisoners pushed out onto the yards, just like you see in America, where they've got the weights in, we had four yards, cut into four. The gymnasium was in the middle, with four separate doors. Yeah. So you take those in for an hour or two to do the normal gym stuff, and then you go back out to that yard. But then you'd have a, a, a one that had grass on it, and they could play what they call touch rugby. There was another yard they could play what they call paddle tennis, which is up against the wall. Another yard that didn't do much at all. They just sat around there with tables all around. All got undercovered ways. So if it rained, which it would do in Australia very heavily at times, they'd just stay out there. Remember, it's hot there. So they were going to keep them outside virtually all day. Put them out at 8 o'clock in the morning, bring them in at about lunchtime. They'd have their lunch and then they'd go back out into the yards and that's where they'd stay until about half past 4 or 5 o'clock and then back onto the wings. That was the remand prison that I worked in. But I did find when I used to do overtime up in one of the convicted prisons at the top end, because there were five prisons all attached to each other, all got different levels and different reasons, I found there there was very little work for prisoners there. Even the convicted prisoners had very little work. And they had a very similar system of just one big yard right in the middle. All the wings were around the outside. And there was just this big patch of ground in the middle. Uh, and there were, you know, some prisoners would work. Of course they would. But they didn't have a huge amount of work. And this was a prison for convicted prisoners. You, uh, you've got to ask, haven't you? Now, that might be different today. I'm, I'm giving you history here, folks. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I can't, yeah. I can't com commit. Unless there's somebody out there that's either worked in the Australian prisons or people that live there that know the difference, I'd be more than fascinated to find out because it's difficult to pick up this information through the internet. Yeah, it's interesting to wonder what, like, what were the, um, what were the stats of Australia? Uh, well, they're, they're, they're bang on the average. There was one the other country. Because obviously, right. we talked earlier briefly about well, um, the American system being very heavily driven towards labour. Yeah. And then yeah. somewhere like that, Australia and other countries where there isn't work and there's no. a lot of sitting around, yeah. I think equally that can't be healthy for yeah. people because your mind is. If you're not being active, think, and that's I not like a great we, we, way to And to, and to be justified to, to, to Australia, they have a system similar to us. They have open prisons. They tend to call them yeah. things like afforestation camps. They put them right out in the bush, and they're going to go out and do those things that you might do out in the bush, whatever that might be. And there are medium-term prisons as well. So it's not just all towers. These are the standard prisons. And, and, and yeah. You know, uh, so just to justify that, it's not one system. Yeah. It's very similar to and, this and country. And towers and such like that are more about security. I mean, we'll pick yeah. this up in episode six, obviously we talk about riots, but they are more about security rather than yes. anything else. It's not yeah. escapes. Well, well, oddly enough, uh, in Australia, unless they've changed all that, a prison officer that worked amongst the prisoners would also be expected to work up the towers, which doesn't happen in the United States. The United States pay security guards, or what they call armed officers, and a correctional officer isn't a person that goes up towers. Is that so you can separate the emotion from actually, I know this person, I know their name, I know how they behave. And you well, they do, you have to have system. a different qualification to be a correctional officer than you do to be an armed guard, and that's no disrespect to people that work in the armed industry, of course, but you'd have to have a different correctional level of um, education. Yeah. Now, in Australia, you could be a prison officer, and for the first four hours of my day, I'd be dealing with prisoners on the landing, or generally like, visits like everybody else does. And then I'd have lunch, I used to have a 20 minute or 30 minute break, and then I'd go up an armed tower. Yeah. And I'd go up the tower for the afternoon. Uh, <laughs> so sorry, so you, actually, you actually wore two hats in that yeah. sense, yeah. Sorry, Emma's just looked at me because she's like, what the hell's going on? I should point out that our studio is set above the execution room in Shrewsbury Prison. Okay. Um, and right now I can hear a school tour of about 50 kids is just coming downstairs underneath yeah. us. So, so there's 59 have gone in, 49 will be going out. Out. Um, <laughs> that's obviously a joke, people. We don't really execute children. Um, so there'll be 50 kids beneath us. So that's going to be an interesting next few minutes. Uh, can I just say, but the, yeah, before we move on from the Australian, yeah. Um, when I was there, I always thought they had a very interesting system of set. It was called weekend detention. Oh, and I, I don't know if it existed. No, it did, I came across this when I went to Australia. So I lived in Australia for it, a year. Where in but I don't think I think they've done away with it. And I'm not sure. It was the most. I worked with a guy who was on this, and I remember I was at a sales job, and we used to we used to yeah drive around during the week, Monday to Friday, basically in a car, going selling like bang on people's doors. Uh, which telephone company we're got? Yeah, to sell you. Telstra, effectively, yeah. trying to get this guy was proper gift of the gab, you know, the chat the lab, knew all the all the tricks, could sell loads of people, could sell anything to anybody. And then one Friday, as we were driving back, so I was quite new, uh, must be my first week, and we we're driving back, and I went, oh, it's just going to drop him off. And I was like, okay, just assumed we were dropping off his house. Pulled up outside a prison, mm -hmm. and he got out. Yeah, see you Monday. Yeah. 
And I was like, okay, I didn't yeah. really think of Monday morning yeah. on the way out. Back to Monday picked him up yes. on the way out. And he and we'd be like, what? And I'm like, oh no, he spends a weekend in prison. Yes. What, the, the, what do you mean he's going to be pushing me? It sounds like you're working during the week. So, so it picks up certain times. Where people are not going to be. It's not a big time. He said, no, he was and go back to work, but what he did is he kept people that were working employed yeah. and with their families. Yeah. And he had loads of money. He was, he he was the best salesman we had. Yeah. His name was, uh, yeah, I said, his name was Scott. He was a, a, as I would say, a stereotypical Aussie in 2001. He had blonde hair. It was quite quite neat, but he was a, a proper typical kind of Aussie. And he was had great chat, great with people. Made so much money during the week. I mean, thousands of dollars. So it totally makes sense, doesn't it? That you go, but then and, and he would go out hard. Like we would go out drinking. He wasn't allowed to go out drinking at the time. But when he did, he would go out drinking. He go out drinking quite hard. And I, I think what happened is he got into a fight and. I think the other people as well had had something, but he was in prison. And it was only about 10 weeks he had to do this, but it was the second time he had to do it. And I was there during when he when he was doing it and when he finished. I remember going out drinking with him afterwards and being like, God, this, the whole system is so bizarre going into the weekend to do it, prison. It kind of makes some sense though, doesn't it, in terms of if I remember correctly, when the judge handed down weekend detention, it would come with the threat that if you don't turn up for that, you're going to prison full time. Yeah, yeah, so you yeah, might say, yeah, I'm yeah, giving you a yeah. six months prison yeah. sentence to be served by way of weekend detention. Yeah. Yeah. Have no illusion. You don't turn up there, you're going through those doors. Yeah. And it's, it's a one off yeah. chance for you to yeah. stay with your family, keep your job. It sort of made some sense. He to did me. it every weekend. I'm not surprised that it's completely successful, but. It's, must, must be a huge though, thing right? to manage, though. Like the administration. Well, I thought we tried to introduce it in this country, and I can't remember whether we did try to introduce it way back in John Howard's uh, in the nineties. Uh, I don't know whether it was part of the short chart. When, when, when Graham said, "When Graham not said that John Howard," I, should, I, should, oh, I was going to say, "When Graham," we should clarify John Howard because we John Howard, eighteen nineties, MP from the nineties, yeah, yeah, yeah. through the Margaret Thatcher eras and stuff like that. Because we do. I'm sure they introduced it, and, and it was part of the short chart shock treatment. Mm. But for some reason. It never either came to fruition, or it, for some reason it stopped very well, that's, that's what I was saying about the um, previously. Sorry, Evan, that's what I was saying previously about how the governor had said to me, you know, sharp, sh sharp, shock, shock. Sh shock. Thank you. <laughs> Short, sharp, shock treatment. Sorry, carry on. Sorry, apologies. You interrupted me there for a while. I was going to say, like, your John interrupted me, and I can't remember what I was going to say. It kind of makes some sense to me as well. I didn't know that sentence mm. existed, but. The, the thing you said about it, um, you can't remember whether or not it was trialled, that flags things for me as well in terms of how many things get bought in but then chopped and changed again and we never yeah. we never see things yeah. through for a long enough time to see yeah. whether or not something actually works. And I just think there's such a, it's almost like we're walking down these two paths, isn't it? like we said before, and I'd like to see more of like that and the Norway yeah. systems. And that, be, what, I mean, something I liked be, about the Norway systems was this the way they kind of portrayed it as making better neighbours, that yeah. kind of, oh, okay. that yeah. reintegration yeah, side of thing, and that more kind of community spirited side of things, and it wasn't just about their sentences, their actual society seemed uh, happy with the level of their shorter sentences, and making people useful again, yeah. whereas here there's a real, you can see that big divide in the country in it, between that kind of more kind of restorative justice, that rehabilitative side, and, 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 and across the board, yeah. and that hanging on the and there's a real split in the country between the two. How sides. do you change the culture in a country, though? Because cultures, by their nature, are sort of they, they just work, they just create their own cultures, don't we? Yes, How do exactly. you step in now and change the culture? Because Norway probably have got a history of that kind of culture way back in time that they've decided to step in at that level very early on. Because changing a culture of a country is not only probably virtually impossible to do that easily, it could probably take about 40 to 50 years to achieve it. Yeah, because yeah, it's got to be done over generations. And, that, and, and there isn't a government that I've known well, yet that's willing to step down and start that process off. But it's very, very small things 
Uh, and you may start, I personally start right there at childcare level, people keeping their jobs and the poverty level. I'd start I think, there, personally. Yeah, I think I, You know, whether, whatever I said, I've worked in prisons for 38 years yeah, and I've seen it all. Then those but prevention people, is still better than any cure. Exactly. It always will be. They then grow, those new yes. children growing up and they become a part of and leading way of the society of uh, that new change. Yeah. And it's I, I don't know much about Norway's government. They have a more of a socialist identity. People mistake socialism with communism, the, and it's not. The, but, but, but they've got a more of a socialist attitude towards the society and community they live in, yeah. about a shared set of values rather than opposing sets of values which we tend to have here. And I think that's. Yeah becoming apparent quite worldwide at the minute. You see it sort of obviously with Italy's more There's a drift to the right there's a drift to the right. There's a drift there to the right. Real drift to yeah. right. And it's a it's 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 worrying to see such a split across countries and you just don't you don't know at this point which way it will fall. Because it will eventually fall to one of those sides, but at the minute it's just an ongoing kind yeah. of back and forth to, to see which side wins out and which way the culture it, so, it, you know, I, I was only reading, was it yesterday, there was somebody that was convicted for throwing boiling water on an ex-girlfriend. Got about six years in prison. Not going to argue about whether that's justified lengthwise, that's an academic thing. But so many people I were reading on there were talking about an eye for an eye. Yeah. They should have boiling water, and some are going to far as sugar. And you go, I wonder where they found that out from. Um, <laughs> sugar. And, then, and then, then, then they're saying, well, we hopefully there'll be prisoners in jail that would do that in the name of society for them. They want other people to do these things. And I go, so what we're doing is re we're reaffirming that violence is an answer to something that we condemn. You can't do the two things in one sentence. Yeah. And they're talking about condemning the violent person that did that crime by creating another violent scenario. And I, I just can't get my head around that. Well, I understand they're, emotions, they're, I do. I understand people get angry and we want to feel that we want to hurt other people. They're coming from it as a punishment. The, the punishment should be, yeah. you have done to you. Yeah, I, I, but there's, 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 but an argument, there's an argument to be said here. And, I'll, and I'll, again, we're getting to that point. Let's, let's say, for example, that you... Uh, let, let's take a crime like that. You, you throw boiling water over somebody, yeah. for example. Now, if you're found guilty and the judge turns around and goes six years or eight years, yeah. or we throw boiling water over you and you don't serve any time inside, I'm just playing the devil's advocate here. Uh, why? I wonder how many, how many people would turn and go, I don't want to do eight years, chuck the boiling water over me as my punishment. And I'm, I'm not saying it's obviously not the way to go. I'm just, I'm just making the point that what, what the people are saying. Yeah, you're talking about an eye for an eye. Yeah, they're talking yeah. about an eye for an eye. So that is, in, in, and I'm actually totally agreeing with Graham and, and with yourself in a sense, if you know, the eye for an eye, nobody would say, well, throw boiling water over them, and then they can go free. So if somebody yeah, can so they they actually go, more, they would, they go, no, 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 you've got to serve eight years yeah. and then throw boiling water. Well, that's not an eye for an eye. No, no. And, then, and then if you go for an eye for eye, you take it to its conclusion and go, okay, then so you've just arrested somebody for rape. Yeah. So the answer to you now is we're going to have you raped. Or you can do... Who are you going to ask to do the job for you? Yeah. A rapist that's into boys or a rapist that's into women? Because that's the only way, because any decent person, well, I'm not going to rape somebody out of revenge. That's, that's, that's a horrific thing to do. So I know, we just go to prison. Uh, you're, a, you're a bit of a rapist, aren't you, mate? Yeah, yeah, I tell you what, will you do us a favour? We just want to bring somebody to jail. We want you to rape them for us, please. My yeah. God, yeah. why is this show God, I, I'm not sure. Let's, you started this on for an hour. You started it. the fact that you went, excuse me, mate, you're a bit of a rapist. <laughs> you, know, you might need to cut certain bits out of this, of course. But that's something you've Sorry, it's a weird argument, though, isn't it? It, it absolutely is. Let's yeah, because you're bringing back your people won't be lining up. That, um, people won't be lining up, and so they come up and say, "Oh, I'll line up to throw the boiling water on that person for you. I'll line up to do that because he's a horrible scumbag." Well, well, this person's a rapist, so we want you to come and do that. It can't be illegal and legal. We, we can't got, use it as a punishment. Let's pick these up, though, because actually we've picked up a few points here, which will connect with riots, because there's always something that happens in riots, which prisoners do do so let's pick that up we're obviously starting to move towards now about punishments in terms of yeah, executions and stuff like that which is episode eight i'm desperately can't wait to get to episode nine because i think i think i'm going to blow people's minds with the way that prisons currently are where they're going and it is so connected to the political systems that you have both been talking about 
and actually how we make that cultural change it's it just I think episode nine is really going to kind of open that up but you're absolutely right that, you know people don't necessarily ask questions think because uh, let me ask you this before we finish when you go on holiday somewhere or if you choose to emigrate for example as your, your parents moved to New Zealand a number of years ago now you obviously went to Australia I went to Australia for a while you know we've, we've traveled if you go and go on holiday somewhere or you're going to move to another country how often do people look at the crime rates or the prison rates before going? Is that ever a factor? No. People in this country, probably the vast majority of people in this country, never think about prisons in any sense of the term. People that, I've always said, the only people that truly know what goes on in prisons are either prisoners and their families and staff and their families. The general public don't really address these issues. When I do the tours, many of my people are really quite surprised at the things I tell them. I go, I didn't oh, yes. know that. I wasn't aware of that. And, and I go, that's because I understand that. We worry about doctors, nurses, and teachers, and all those things, paramedics, well, and firemen, well, because they affect our everyday lives. Prisons don't affect the general public in the way that, we, that other things do. So it tends to be something you switch off from until you feel that you want some input into it when you see a horrific crime or burglary or whatever. We've all got a, an opinion on it, but then probably by tomorrow we'll be talking about something else and thinking about something else. Prisons don't, don't feature, uh, they should to a degree, why? Because we pay vast amounts of money to operate them in the name of the public. They are still part of society, aren't they? Something a lot of people don't understand, isn't it? The yeah, system, yeah. and they don't actually pay, like you say, pay it any attention, so therefore they don't know what... Even I today is. struggle with the sentencing structure in this country, and I keep up to date with it as best I can, because it's hugely complicated, probably one of the most complicated systems I've been. Uh, certain things under four years, certain things over four years, certain things with the parole board, then you've got your life sentences with your tariffs in there, and then you've got your manslaughter with life sentence with tariffs in there, then you've got the discretionary life sentences, and you've got the man mandatory life sentences. It's gone, and it's all. It's all that we've lost it. And, 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 and that's not even including the community sentences. And that's just the UK. Yeah. That's not even other, other no, countries. No, it's, it's really, really highly complicated. When you look right into it, you go, whew. This is hard. Let's leave That's episode seven. Um, let's let's stop there because we've reached our time. What a great opportunity though, just to plug our sponsors at both Shrewsbury Prison in Shropshire and Chapter Malik Prison in Somerset, because both of which are open to the public. They're the only opportunity in the UK to wander around a prison, see how it actually operates be led by ex-prison officers or the tours designed by ex-prison officers, see interpretation spaces throughout the years. I'm really giving them a good plug here. But you can actually see, learn, feel, touch, engage, and educate around what happens behind the walls. And, and you know, they're done in a, in a realistic way. Nothing is sugar-coated, nothing is falsified, nothing is faked. It is real exactly how it was from when the prisons were built from the 1600s all the way through to when they closed and even pick up on some of the modern day stuff now where they connect with modern yeah. prison officers from places like Rex and such like that. Yeah. And interestingly enough, I was reading a piece on the internet just yesterday about the oldest prison in the world, Shepton Island Prison. Mm -hmm. So going back to 1625. Anyway, that's a big enough plug, I think, for our sponsors. We'll have to, we'll have to up their sponsorship fees. But um, that has been Life Behind Bars. Thank you very much for listening. If you've got any questions, any comments, anything you want to throw back at us, please do. We'll be back next week in episode six, where we're going to talk about what happens when prisons go wrong. So specifically around riots, of which you've, you've seen instances yourself. You've obviously both seen bells go off before, alarms and such like that. So we're going to pick that up when prisons go wrong, which is going to be next week. Until then, I'm going to say goodbye. I'm changing the outro, see. I'm going to say goodbye and see you next week. See you next week, guys. See you next week. <laughs> Thank you. You've been listening to Life Behind Bars, produced and created by 50 Mill Media.